All right, so we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20, and I'm going to read uh, the center passage of this, verses 10 to 13, and then pray for our time together. So if you would, join with me. Numbers 20, verses 10 to 13 says this, And then Moses and Aaron gathered to assembly, gathered the assembly before, ugh, if I can speak. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy." Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your scripture, and we're thankful for um, its reminder to us of who you are and who we are. God, may we walk in understanding that uh, you're the one leading us. You're the one who is holy. You're the one who is righteous. And we yield to you, Lord. God, I pray you lead this time that your um, truth would be proclaimed and that you would encourage and strengthen us each. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is an interesting chapter. Um, There's a discussion here throughout of three, really kind of four uh, perspectives of of leaders throughout this um, who come to an end of some kind. And, um, and so it's really some, some important things that we can pick up throughout this text and throughout the individuals that are highlighted in this text about what leaders are like. And so one of the things that I think we're going to see is this very simple conclusion that leaders are human. Leaders are human. Sometimes we don't remember that. <laughs> Sometimes we make a leader higher than they actually are in our minds. We put too much on them or too much expectation on them. But leaders are human, and I think this passage highlights some of that for us. We're going to look at four, like I said, I think there's four uh, things highlighted here, four individuals, four sort of storylines um, shown in this passage, and not, uh, not fully drawn out in this passage, but, uh, but there are four individuals I want to look at and some lessons we can learn from them. The chapter 20 starts out with this very simple statement, one verse that says, Miriam died. The people of Israel and the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And so you may be wondering, what's, why, why are we highlighting that? I mean, they didn't highlight everyone that died, right? Like, not everyone that died during the time of wilderness got a verse devoted to them. I mean, it may sound like just one verse, and, you know, it is one verse, but, you know, most of the people who passed away in the wilderness were a footnote, not even a footnote in Scripture, but Miriam is highlighted. Miriam is a significant leader in this uh, people. She's actually from the beginning of the Exodus to the end here, and important to highlight her. It was Miriam 
if you remember, that is the sister of Aaron, the sister of Moses, who watched over Moses when he was put in a basket early on in his life, just when he was born, right? At the time, Pharaoh was executing the firstborn of all the people of Israel. And so when, when, when Moses was born, he was placed in a basket with bitumen and pitch under it and placed in the, into the Nile, sitting there among the reeds. And who was it watching? It was Miriam, we think. It was her that's watching along and sees Pharaoh's daughter come across Moses and runs up to her and says, oh, you know, would you like me to get one of the Hebrew women? And so she takes Moses, her brother, to her mom. And her mom is able to raise her. Leaders protect. We find out about Miriam that uh, as they're coming out of um, out of Egypt, they come through the Red Sea, the waters are parted, they come through, and they get to the other side, and there's this time of great celebration, obviously, right, because they've been through 10 plagues in Egypt, and now the Pharaoh has finally let millions of people go out of his control and freed them to go do whatever they're supposed to do. And I'm sure he's going, these people are, like, where is three million people going to go? But okay, you can go. Let's them go. Go through the sea. And on the other end of the sea, um, they're celebrating because they've just seen Pharaoh's army defeated by the sea. I mean, they, they didn't lift a sword against this army. Literally, the water falls down upon this army that is world-renowned at the time. And so they're in a time of celebration. And in Exodus chapter 15, we hear the, uh, the song of Moses recorded, and who is there also but Miriam also leading. I think I actually have this here. After Moses sings um, his song, it says this in chapter 15, verse 20 and 21. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. We find out right from there that leaders speak. Miriam is a leader. It says she's a prophetess. Okay, so at times during her interaction with Israel, she is speaking. She's speaking exactly what the people need to hear when they need to hear it. She's a prophetess. It's what a prophet does in their, in their place in the church or in their place in the people of God. God gives them something they need to say, and they say it to the people in that time under God's revelation. Miriam is a prophetess. She's a leader. She speaks. But Miriam is a leader, and she's human. And the final thing we find out about her story that's highlighted is in Numbers 12, just a few weeks ago, when her and Aaron have become jealous. They become jealous of Moses' position. And they go before Moses, and they accuse him because he's married to a Cushite woman, not an Israelite. So they're concerned about an interracial marriage that has occurred, 
And they say, well, why is this man who isn't even in a pure relationship in Israel, why is he the only one that leads Israel? Should not Aaron and I also take precedent? She's human. She let jealousy get the best of her, and she sought out to, uh, to, to, to take, uh, take cause with that and disagreed. Turns out, leaders disagree. <laughs> leaders often have strong opinions and strong feelings about what is happening, and they act on those things. And since they're human... Sometimes that gets them in trouble. Miriam and Aaron were jealous of Moses and came before him. And it's Miriam who at that time was struck with leprosy. And um, overnight, right, like the Lord shows up among Aaron and Moses and Miriam. And then when he leaves, uh, Miriam is covered in leprosy. And so she's cast out of the people And for seven days, they wait for her to move. It says, it highlights that they stopped moving and waited for Miriam to be able to come back into the people and then move forward. Miriam is a leader, but she's a human. She protects, she speaks, she disagrees, but she leads. Aaron, also a leader, also a human. Leaders get hurt. Aaron was chosen as high priest. He had sons and daughters, and sons and daughters who uh, presumably would come up in leadership after him. His two eldest sons were judged to death by God because they took holy fire and offered it in an unworthy manner. Imagine being Aaron. Lost his two sons to this, uh, their, their own sin. Leaders hurt. They're human. It's Aaron uh, who, you know, later is going to uh, sorry, in chapter 20, receives the punishment just as Moses that he will pass away because of his role in sort of the things going on in chapter 20. Um, he's also the one who made a golden calf for the people. Leaders often have a tendency to try and please. They're human. Aaron knew better. He knew it wasn't right. But the people were oppressing upon him. Leaders often try and please people. I know this. I try and please people too. Leaders are human. Edom and Jacob are spoken of here as the people move forward through the wilderness and toward the promised land. Um, We see... Israel come to Edom, this land, and say, your brother Israel has gone through all this in Egypt, and you've seen how we've gone through, seen how we conquered. Now please let us go through your land so we can go back to the promised land. And Edom rejects them. Why? 
the impact of a leader's life goes beyond them. Jacob and Edom and Esau were at odds when they were kids and when they were adults. And thankfully, they reconciled at a point in their lives. But the legacy of their life was one of uh, disagreement. So after 400 plus years, you see that there is a difference, a divide between Edom and Israel. So much so that Edom will not even allow Israel to walk through their land. They protect against this person they fear, this person, this group that they maybe are jealous of still. Leaders impact beyond their lives. Leaders are humans. We wish that the legacy of Esau and Jacob was one that they were united again forever. But unfortunately, what remained was a continued divide between these people. Even Moses, from the section that we read Moses is obviously a leader. But we've seen more human here than ever. In this passage, the people have come out in front of Aaron and Moses, and they've assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. That is, they are opposing Moses and Aaron. They're saying, we don't agree with the direction you're taking us. We don't agree with how things are going. And so we are in opposition to you. Uh, it says in verse 3, And the people quarreled with Moses and, uh, and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought, us the, brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? That when they are quarreling, they're basically bringing charges against. Okay, they're not just like saying, hey, maybe we should try something different. <laughs> it's more like uh, charging them with, uh, with leading us out here purposely. So they quarrel with Moses and say these things. They continue on and say, And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs, vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. The glory of the Lord appeared to them and spoke to them. Take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Leaders are accused. (laughs) When you lead, people often come against you. And they have their opinion and say this or that about you. Leaders are often accused. And so it is with Moses. It's a difficult passage to see with Moses because he is so close to doing it right. (laughs) I mean, the whole of it, right? I mean, his whole life, 
40 years growing up in Egypt, and he tries to lead the people out by his own hand by taking the life of that Egyptian who was persecuting his people, and then he's run out of town by his own people. 40 years in the wilderness, and he comes back, right, and then begins to lead his people out again as the Lord has guided him. And now 40 years more of walking with this people who has been just time after time lacking faith in what God has done. You can see that that Moses knows where he needs to go, but these people have gotten to him. And they quarrel with Moses and accuse him of leading them wrongly. And even in this moment, Moses and Aaron go before the Lord and seek the Lord. And the Lord shows up and gives clear instruction. This is what you are to do, Moses. Go before the rock again, before their eyes, and tell the rock to yield its water so that you may bring water out of the rock for them to drink and their cattle. And so we see Moses is ready to follow. He takes the staff and goes before the rock. And then we find out the leaders fail. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? You've seen already that, that Moses has already taken it the wrong direction. Should, should we bring out the water from this rock? Is Moses going to bring the water out from the rock? No. God said that, the rock will yield its water when you speak to it. Moses' heart has clearly hardened against this people, and he's taking things in his own hands. His frustration, you know, whatever has been pent up on him has gotten the best of him now, and he lashes out, really, at these people. Here now, you rebels, shall we bring out water for you from this rock? And then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. The Lord didn't tell him to strike it. The Lord told him to speak to it. And it's easy to kind of miss the importance of that, um, but the importance is very clearly shown to us both in the first time that water comes from a rock as well as in the judgment that Moses receives for not following through with the way the Lord told, us, told him to, to walk, walk through this. Uh, first of all, we see that this was very wrong because uh, the Lord says that what you have done has not shown me as holy. That these are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord um, and the Lord through them showed himself holy. The uh, Lord said to Moses, sorry, verse 12, because you did not believe in me, 
to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, we read it and it's like, wow, that's harsh. But think about it from the opposite direction, from the Lord's standpoint. Okay, the Lord has been walking with Moses just as long as any of us have been following his story. And what Moses did was so egregious that even after 120 years of following the Lord in this way, the Lord has said, you will not see the manifestation of walking into the presence of this land because you did not uphold me as holy in front of this people. It's the most important thing that I've called you to do, Moses, is to make sure that they know I am holy. Because you did not believe in me, Moses. Leaders fail. We fail. The significance of this comes even more so if we remember what happened the first time they were at the rock. And the first time they were at the rock, uh, they had just come out of the land of Egypt, and they're before the rock in the desert, and the, the people are accusing again, right? They start out this thing by accusing Aaron and Moses. Why did you guys bring, out, bring us out here? There's no water. There's no food. What are we supposed to do? And um, the Lord comes to them and says, you're not accusing Moses and Aaron. You're accusing me. And so go before the rock. Assemble the elders before this rock. And this is what, what's going to happen. I, the Lord, am going to stand before you at the rock. And Moses is going to strike me. The people are the ones who deserved the judgment and punishment of the Lord in that moment. They have come against the people that have been chosen by God to lead them out, Moses and Aaron, and even come against the Lord himself. That's what he tells them. He says, instead of judging you, I am going to stand before the rock and Moses is going to bring down the judgment on me. And from that, water is going to flow to provide for you. So the rock is not insignificant. It's not just some random rock with no, no meaning to the people. Okay? The rock is seen as the presence of God upon that is going to provide. And even in, uh, in the New Testament, uh, Paul refers to the rock as Christ. And you can see that picture, right? God took on what the people deserved that they might be provided for. So it's easy to read through this and be like, ah, I mean, he just struck the rock. What's the big deal? No, he took the miracle into his own hand and he took the judgment back upon God flippantly as if God was just going to take care of it for him. He counted on grace without awe of holiness. Like, we do that, right? Like, uh, I don't need to fight this battle too hard. I mean, I've got grace, so God's going to take care of me. If I fail, you know, I've got my ticket punched, so I'll just let this one slide. We do that in our minds. We just count on grace so much that we don't have any awe of what God has provided for us. And yeah, there is grace. But don't sin more that grace may abound, right? 
Moses let this moment get the best of him. Looking out, of, I mean, I'm sure it would be hard, okay? Look out against three million people that have been coming against you for 40 years, fighting against you time and time again. And in that moment, Moses lost belief in what God told him to do and struck the rock twice instead of just speaking to it as instructed. Leaders fail. And you know, that's okay, actually. Um, There's lots of great quotes on failure and its importance. And so I chose a sports figure. You're welcome. You'll like this one, though, John, I promise. Maybe someone, maybe someone can tell me who said this. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Anybody? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. North Carolina. Raise up. There you go. Leaders fail. We do. We're human. Um, Yeah, we protect, we speak, we disagree. We get accused, we respond to accusation wrongly, we fail, uh, we get hurt, we try to please people. We're human. Leaders are human. And as Moses struck the rock, he fell into... Uh, really the temptation that he was trying to correct. I mean, we, we learned it uh, back in Galatians a few weeks ago. If anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Moses here is responding very clearly to the people's accusation and what has happened. And, and instead of remaining in that spirit of gentleness and restoring them as God told him to do and provided for him to do, He responded in his flesh and did not show God as holy. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. Moses strikes the rock twice. He's human. And, you know, we look at this judgment, and the judgment upon him and upon Aaron is that just like the rest of their generation, they are going to die before they get to go and see the promised land. And, you know, often we look at that and say, wow, that is a really harsh punishment. I can't believe it. I mean, Moses gave his entire life to leading the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. Like, why couldn't he just you know, let Moses live a few more days so he could go into the promised land. And, and we feel like it's such a harsh penalty. The truth is, though, I mean, it is. I, it, it, I'm not taken away from it as a judgment for sure. But I think Moses was okay. And Moses didn't tuck and run after this. He continued to lead them until God said it was time for him to go up the mountain and pass. He got to see the land from afar, which is great. But you know what, leader, what some leaders do do when this kind of thing happens? They run. Moses must have heard that quote from Michael Jordan because he knew that, you know, a few failures along the way 
we're going to be all right. Moses is uh, like one of the people in Hebrews. Let me get there. In the hall of faith, it's said of this people. And all these, the, the, uh, the cloud of witnesses in chapter 11, where it's talking about all the people that had come before and includes talking about Moses looking forward to, uh, to what is ahead. It says this in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 39 of Hebrews. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Yeah, you know, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. But Moses knew his God was holy. And when he died before getting to see the manifestation of the people of Israel, he's in the presence of God in heaven. So we might look at this and be like, oh my gosh, that's such a harsh punishment. And yeah, it would be very hard, right, in your flesh of being 120, of following these people for 40 years to be like, nope, you cannot, I gotta go in. You might be disheartened by that. But Moses continues on, takes his discipline, knows the Lord is holy, and continues to lead as he's called to lead. Leaders are human. This is true in um, the world, as we've seen with you know Michael Jordan and other many many quotes. I mean, if you look at every successful person, if they're worth their uh, leadership that they have led, they recognize that failure has been a part of their success. So it's true from a just a secular standpoint, from a wisdom standpoint, it's true that failure can move us forward in the right way. But as Christians, it's an important lesson for us as well. Because there isn't one person that you can uh, hang your hat on and say, it's, it's them that has saved me. It's this human that has saved me. It's this priest that has saved me. It's this pastor that has saved me. It's this, uh, this person that has saved me. There's only one. In Hebrews four fourteen, you know, we, it talks about the high priest, and Aaron was the high priest. He was chosen uh, to be before the Lord, to sacrifice uh, the sacrifices before the Lord, that the people might be holy as the Lord is holy. And it speaks of the high priest in this way. Hebrews four fourteen and following. Since then, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when God, uh, when called by God, just as Aaron was. There is no human leader that you can hang your hat on and say, they will bring me salvation. Even Aaron the high priest, the holiest of holy and the chosen people, is beset with weakness. He, he is sinful and has to offer sacrifice not only for the people, but also separately for himself, that he can even go before the Lord to offer sacrifice for the people. The demonstration of that, the picture of that is, that no leader is perfect. Leaders are human. They experience life just as anyone experiences life. They try and please, they disagree, they get accused, they fail. They have legacy, whether positive or negative. These things happen when people lead. But people are human. And so I want to close with a few things. Um, First of all, if you find yourself being a leader, which all of you are, I mean, I know I'm speaking as a you know, a lead minister or whatever, and you may look at me in some way as a leader, but the truth is, you are all leaders. We are all leaders. And we need to recognize that, that there are people, each of us are leading. And and too often, we think, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not because I, I have this imperfection or that imperfection, or I'm not quite this, or I'm not quite that, or whatever. Okay, leaders are human, not some superpower individual, okay? So my challenge to us is that don't be afraid to lead because of some imperfection or some brokenness. Each of us are leaders in some respect and in some way. And so don't see yourself as just kind of wandering without a purpose. God has placed you exactly where you are in the time that you are, that those around you may call upon you, call upon the Lord. And so you're a leader. And don't be afraid that you're going to make a mistake while you're leading. All leaders make mistakes because all leaders are human. All leaders fail. All leaders come to disagreements. All leaders uh, have an impact that sometimes isn't what they wanted. All leaders get hurt, just like a human gets hurt. So don't be afraid to lead where God has called you to lead because of imperfection. Every single leader, every single person is imperfect and falls short. 
So don't let imperfection keep you from leading where you are. Second, lead knowing that you need help. Lead knowing that you need help. When Miriam and Aaron came against Moses, uh, it's said of Moses at that time that Moses was the most humble person that ever lived. Which is always funny because Moses wrote that, presumably. Um, But it's true. I mean, anyone that walks through this time as Moses walked through it is walking through it in humility. I mean, consider receiving the word from the Lord in the way that Moses received the word from the Lord. Consider that God talked to Moses face to face, not in visions or dreams, he says. He talked to him in this way, and yet still Moses patiently endured the people of Israel for the most part, even though he messed up there at the end. He's humble. He is. And even after, again, he could have left, but he stayed with them and continued his mission. He was humble. He knew he needed help. Miriam and Aaron had a place to help him. He he listened to the advice of his father-in-law and brought in uh, people to help him judge cases. He, He understood he needed people around him to help. He understood he couldn't do it on his own. Lead understanding you need help. And finally, lead confidently knowing that there is grace. And I know I've gave, given you a warning to not rely on grace, so you've got that piece of it or whatever. But, you know, the amazing thing about this story is that the water still came out. I mean, Moses muffed it bad. Moses muffed it so bad that he doesn't get to go in the promised land, okay? Moses showed the people that, or took, took this miracle into his own hands, said, well, no, no, now should we give you water out of this rock? And how about I strike it twice, even though I'm remembering as a, probably as I strike it, that time when I had to strike it the first time, and I mean, you can probably put yourself in Moses' shoes thinking as he strikes it, oh man, I've really screwed up. And yet still, the water flowed from the rock. God has a purpose, okay, in his people. And in spite of leaders, God works. In spite of Moses' sin, God says, you know what, I'm still going to provide for this people. Moses, you did this wrong. It was bad, and I'm going to confront you on it, and I'm going to tell you why I'm confronting you on it. But still, even still, I'm going to provide for this people. challenge ourselves, challenge us as a people, don't be worried about getting it wrong. Don't be worried about failing.
God is working in spite of us, <laughs> in spite of our brokenness, in spite of the way we go about things. God is at work, and so trust Him. And when you screw up, and when you screw up real bad, go back before Him. And I'm sure Moses did. Again, fell on his face, as he has done over and over and over through this book. Fallen on his face before the Lord and said, Lord, I have screwed up. Please, in spite of me, lead this people. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus. Because of Jesus, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Each and every one of us are in a time in which we need God to show up, to lead us as we lead others. And so know that you can go before the throne with confidence because of Christ and receive that help. Don't be discouraged about leading because you're not perfect. None of us are. Lead with the humility and dependence upon Jesus and what he has done, and you can confidently go forward in what God has called you to do. Leaders are human. Let's not elevate people above where they're supposed to be. Great example, very palpable for us right now. No one knows who's going to win the election. And I don't talk politics ever in the pulpit, but I'll say this. If your trust is in a person that's going to lead even the most powerful country in the world, then your trust is misplaced. Your trust can only be in Christ Jesus. No one who ever comes in power of a nation comes with salvation for the people. Only Christ has come for salvation. So I challenge us, don't worry, don't be anxious. Christ is your leader. He always will be. He always has been. These men are imperfect. They're trying to do as they see they need to do. But our hope is not in them. Our hope is in Jesus. So let it be there forever. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for the way in which you lead us. God, in spite of us, you walk with us. (laughs) God, in spite of us, you came to us. And for that, we're ever grateful. Lord, help us to approach you with confidence, knowing that you provide everything we need. Lord, as we go through the coming week ahead, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't seek to do it in our own strength and strike the rock twice, but Lord, we would trust in you in the way in which you have provided Help us see your hand at work. Help us place our trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.